0: It's a true rags-to-riches story, next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. We see them on TV quite often, don't we? Those rags-to-riches stories, especially when somebody like wins the lottery, something of that nature. Well today, on Truth For Today, we are going to include you, if you are a believer in Christ, into these rags-to-riches story, because that's exactly what Paul tells us here in Ephesians. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're looking at Ephesians, our series, God's Design for Life, and information about our listener celebration June 4th at the close of the program. So stick around. Turn, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 2,
1: Ephesians two eleven. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access, Jew and Gentile, to the Father by one spirit. To become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Uh, The Gentile world lay in darkness and despair for centuries. For centuries. They had bigger armies, bigger population. Greater uh, nobility. Except for in the case of Solomon. And God chose this one little nation this one little bumper zone along the Mediterranean to tell Abraham, I'm gonna build a great nation out of you in this geographical location. And what I do through you will extend to all nations eventually. But to be a Gentile until the coming of Christ was to live in despair, darkness, nothing to live for. And the great revelation that Paul is making here and through chapter three, is God has done something in sending Christ. He is now going to take out of Jew and Gentile and form a new people, a new humanity. Uh, You'll read in 1 Corinthians, there's the Jew, the Gentile, and the church of God. And this church of God is not based upon ethnicity. It's not based upon gender, not based on anything but the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So Paul begins to describe to us the Gentile predicament. What if Christ had never come? Did you know that your ancestors for centuries died without Christ? Died without any promises. Died without any evangelists. Before Christ, the Gentile world had no good news. The Gentile world had no word from God. I'm sorry, there was no way to God, and being a pagan doesn't get you to heaven. The question comes up, are the heathen really lost? They really are. Ignorance is not a passport to heaven. Not knowing does not excuse them. And according to Romans 2, in that day, those who did not have the gospel, their own conscience will testify against them that they are guilty anyway without any way to be saved and that was our ancestors. I'm assuming my audience is all from Gentile background, maybe a few Jewish people here. But we had nothing, no claims on God, nobody seeking us out and when Jonah was told to preach to us, he didn't want to come because we weren't an easy crowd to evangelize. I want us to track here what he says our problem was and our despair, and he gives five things that was our problem. He says that as Gentiles that remembered verse 12, that at that time you were separate from Christ, separate from Christ. And what that means there is some emphasize Christ here as the anointed one, the Messiah. In Gentile history, there was no expectation in the future. There was no promise in all of Gentile literature that a Messiah will come for you. A Messiah will deliver you from whatever political oppression you're living with. Or there's one coming who will forgive you of your sins. That was never written to the Gentiles. That was written by Isaiah. It was written to the nation of Israel. We lingered over here, the Amorites, the Hittites and all these other nations, the North American, Indian, uh, South America, Asia, Africa. None of those nations, none of us had any promise of a coming Messiah. So we lived without that hope. You see, uh, Gentile history was believed to be kind of cyclical. It just keeps going in circles nowhere you just keep repeating and repeating but jewish history had a linear expectation it's going somewhere it's going to culmination and that is the christian's hope today we know even what's happening in the middle east we're not too disturbed because we know history is going somewhere We know it's headed for Armageddon. We know it's headed for Israel being destroyed by the Gentiles until Messiah breaks through the heavens, delivers them, sets up a kingdom. We know where history is going. Gentiles without Christ still don't know. They're looking for an atomic holocaust, an atomic blast. It's out of their control. Our best peace negotiators cannot broker a deal in the Mideast. They never will until Antichrist comes. We know that. And if Antichrist pulled up there today and they made a covenant with Israel for seven years, I'd say, ah, look at there's where history's going. We're going to be getting out of here. But without Christ at the barbershop, you don't know that. There is no Christ in the future of a pagan world. And what was true of Gentiles then is true of them today in their lost estate. But Christ has come to change that. They say, for a devout Jew, history was headed somewhere. There was an optimism in the midst of the pain, sorrow, and exiles. To the Gentiles, history was a progress to nowhere. To the Jew, history was a march to God. To the Gentile, life was not worth living To the Jew in the worst of circumstances, if Messiah was coming, there was something to get up to in the morning. They were uh, a people excluded from Israel, the people of God. Notice that, their second predicament. They were excluded from Israel. Now, you might say, well, I don't want to be Jewish. Who cares? The idea is not just Israel. Israel was the people of God that God said there's no people like you by whom I will dwell in your midst in Deuteronomy 4. And so to be a part of that sacred community meant to be in connection with God. It was not changing your ethnicity. It was the the religious God connection and we had no connection to a sacred community. And listen to what uh, in all the animosity that existed between Jews and Gentiles, listen to what Jewish people were saying about us at that time. The Jew had an immense con- contempt for the Gentile. They said that the Gentiles were created by God to be fuel for the fires of hell. That God loved only Israel of all the nations that he had made. That the best of the serpent's crust, the best of the Gentiles killed. It was not even lawful to render help to a Gentile woman in childbirth, for that would be to bring another Gentile into the world. If a Jew married a Gentile, the funeral of that Jew was carried out. They were not even allowed into a Gentile's home. That would make them unclean. And on and on the animosity went. So he says, you Gentiles did not even have access to the sacred community of the Jewish people where God had revealed himself and only to them, but you could not get any access. You were excluded. Far worse than being excluded from a white restaurant in Mississippi. This is cut off from God. This is cut off from God and we needed God, but there was no group that wanted us. They were lived without the covenant promises of God. That's what he says here. They were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. God has never made any promises to Gentiles in the Old Testament. He told Abraham, I'll bless you. He told David, I'll bless you. He told Moses, I'll give you the land, the Palestinian covenant. Only place we come in contact with it is a covenant called the new covenant that salvation is involved, but he made it through Jeremiah and Ezekiel with the house of Israel and the privileges extended to us. What do you think about living all your life and not have a promise box you can go to in the Old Testament? If you were a Gentile family, you could never go and claim a promise. None were made to you. You had no promise. Anybody ever use those promise boxes? Pull out a promise? You couldn't do that. No promises to Gentiles. We were excluded. We were left out. Israel had the great advantage that God had made promises to them. Promises he'd keep. It goes on to say that we were without hope. Uh, Some have said that the... uh, Greek people were considered a sunny kind of people. But as you read the Iliad and Homer's poetry, and you read Greek literature of the time, there was melancholy and despair that ran through the literature. The best they could say about their future was, we blossom and flourish as leaves on the tree and wither and perish. And that's it. Homer wrote that in the Iliad. There was no hope. There was no future. Yeah, no wonder reincarnation looks good. If you don't have a promise from God about your future, invent something. I don't want to just think I just stop. I just cease that the worms eat my body and that's it. Surely there's something that goes on. But Old Testament Gentiles, Gentiles of the pagan world, though they had many gods, they had no hope of a future life. They made up everything about it for they had no word from God. Then he said, they lived without God in the world. And that doesn't mean they didn't have a a thousand different idols, but they never had the true and living God. So they lived all of life without knowing the true God. Uh, And you know what? Let me ask you this. Uh, Could I say this about Gentiles today? If you looked at the plight of the gentile world today without christ if they're not christians wouldn't you say they're living without hope living without god living without any promises from god uh, having no access to the people of god by their own choice and their own uh, blindness a people that without hope without christ without a future This is still the state of the Gentile world, but also the Jewish world that does not know their Messiah through personal faith. There's no hope, no future. Israel perished in the light while the Gentiles perished in the night. Well, Paul now has set us up. This necessitated somebody to change our situation. And he begins to tell us what Christ came to do. And he begins to tell us Christ came to bring peace to us. Christ came to make a difference. Notice, for he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with his commandments and regulations. What did Christ do? He came to bring peace you could read it this way he himself is our peace who made both one destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility and abolished the law and when he did this he created a new people and he reconciled them both to god this is a great passage that christ came to bring reconciliation not only between man and god but between gentiles and jews horizontal reconciliation, but also to remove the hostility that kept you and I away from God. And when I come to know God, I find out He's created a new entity, a new man, a new person, with Christ being the head. And in this, the animosities and the hostilities that existed between Jew and Gentile ends in the new man. Because in the new man, Ethnicity no longer counts. Gender does not count. Male and female. Sociological economic status doesn't count. It's are you in Christ? And in Christ, that is the new man. For all the old measurements and all the old way of measuring people's over. We measure people all the time by color, by economics, and by gender. Women get treated different than men. And all the women said, amen. We for years have paid them different because their work isn't as good as a man's. Because they don't deserve to make the same amount an hour because he's a man. No prejudice there, is there? No unfairness there, is there? The Afghanistan people says, don't educate a woman. If we ever educate them, we're in trouble. And all the men said, amen. amen. But the whole Eastern world, that whole world, if you were feminine, if you were female, status did not exist except to have children and to snap to attention with a male, else be divorced without going through a lawyer or to be decapitated. And the men love it because they're fallen beasts. And until Christ is in the heart, Women will always be treated harshly by men. That's what Genesis 3 says. They will always have a hard time. Just know it. Men don't like women and women don't like men in Genesis 3 after the fall. It takes Christ to soften us and make us treat each other as equals. That only happens really in Christ. Racism. We like people that are our color, our background, have our accent. All of that stuff goes by the way. That's why when Christians are racist, it is the height of sin and hypocrisy and is against everything this passage is saying. You no longer measure a person by Jew or Gentile. It's are you in Christ? And in Christ, there's a new humanity. He is the headship. He is the new identity. It doesn't matter what your ethnic background is. And it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Most of us are hoping to be rich. But if we're not, we're still in the body. Amen? Well, let's see what Christ did. He said he came to make peace. He's the peacemaker. He's the reconciler. He's a Zenny that we sent over to the Mideast. He's not doing too good yet, but he, Colin Pyle's going over there this week. We'll see if they can make peace. When Christ came on his mission, he accomplished it. He made peace. But it cost him his life. We can't get too many negotiators that want to pay that price for peace. Here he says, He Himself is our peace. He's made the two, one, and it's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now, what he's referring to there, the dividing wall, he's talking about the wall that separated the peoples when you went to the Jewish court. And there's a, I have quotes by Josephus on that. And the description, you had an inner court. This is where the priests could go, called the court of the priest. Uh, only male members of the priestly tribe of Levi could go there. Then you had the court of Israel. It was entered by any male Jew. And then there was the court of the women. Of course, they could go there. And uh, so you had three levels there. And then they had a five foot high wall that enclosed all of this. Five steps down and you went into like a little plateau area. And then another 12 steps down, you had this large court and it was called the court of the Gentiles. Four courts removed from where the action was going on. And they had signs. They have done excavations from the temple site. And they have signs that have been inscribed on the wall that say, No foreigner is to enter within the embankment around the sanctuary. Whoever is caught will have himself to blame for his death, which follows. How about you wanting to know God and you go down to the temple? And you find if you're a Gentile, you're four out. You've got 12 steps up. You've got a five-foot wall. You've got another five steps up. And now you're just with the Jewish women. You haven't even got where all the men are. And you've got all these inscriptions all around. If you are a foreigner or a Gentile, and we catch you, we're going to kill you. And we'll kill you on the temple site. How would you like that at your worship center? Let's go to church, but don't step in the wrong place or they get to kill us. The middle wall of partition. And then when Christ died, what was rent? But a six-inch curtain that two oxen could not pull apart. That veil was rent. And God was saying access to the living God has been done away by God. And in coming of Christ, he uses this illustration. And all middle walls... All barriers to know the living God have been removed in the death of Jesus Christ. There are no hoops to go through. You just come to Him. You don't appreciate it too much because you're 2,000 years over here and you can be cocky Gentiles acting like you've always been in Christianity. You weren't. Your ancestors and mine were considered Gentile dogs and I'm not preaching a racist sermon. I'm just saying that's the way it was. We were not a part of the elect community. We were not in on the know of God. Oh, we had big armies. We could take land. We had Alexander the Great. We had Napoleon, but we did not have God. And you had to go through Israel to know God. He revealed himself to them, the least of the nations, the smallest. But the revelation of God, hear me well, hear me well, if you're tempted to bail out and you want more of the world, the world's got more of a lot of stuff than what we've got. They've got a lot of stuff, a lot of money, a lot of this. What they don't have is God. And one God outweighs a million worlds. And especially when this race is over and all of the other worlds burn up in flames, And only what's left is what God has made. I'd rather have one Jesus than a million worlds.
0: God's Design for Life. That is the title of the series that today's broadcast has been taken from. And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we close out our time together today, we would like to invite you to join us for a marvelous celebration. You know, for almost 20 years now, next year will be 20 years, Truth For Today has been airing on this radio station. As our way of saying thank you for being a part of that ministry, we're inviting you to save the date and then join us. June 4th, that's a Saturday, 4.30 till 7.30 in the afternoon. Here at Valley Bible Church, at the Family Life Center, we have a celebration of God's goodness to the truth for today radio ministry. Again, our way of saying thank you for being a part of this ministry. It is our hope and prayer that you are growing in grace, that you find these broadcasts encouraging and helpful to you. If you've got testimonies and um, just stories of how the broadcast has encouraged and helped you in your relationship with Christ, we'd love for you to join us as we celebrate together God's amazing goodness towards us as we've continued this ministry here on this radio station. So save the date. Again, June 4th, 430 to 730 at Valley Bible Church. For information and details, simply give us a call at 855 833 9864 or stop by our website for further information, truthfortodayradio.org. And again, that phone number is 855-833-9864. It's a celebration I know you'll be blessed by. So make it a point to join us again, June 4th, 430 to 730 at Valley Bible Church. Again, call for details, 855 833